Our Bible's open to John 14. If you have your Bible and it's open, just look at it a moment. And let me just say a couple of things before I read from this chapter. It was the night before Calvary. And Jesus had gathered his best friends together. And he was talking to them about his death on the cross. There's one thing I can't do, boys and girls. I can't talk while you're talking to each other. So I'm going to just wait until you finish talking. You listen with your eyes, your ears, and your heart. All right. It was the night before Calvary. And Jesus had gathered his best friends together to talk to them about his death on the cross. They had heard about that. They somehow vaguely knew that that's what Jesus had said, but they didn't want to believe it. They loved him very, very much. It really didn't dawn on them that, that he was going to die. They thought he was the Messiah. They thought he was the Prince. They thought that he would overcome the Roman armies and would set up a, a, a national government, a theocracy, God's government right there in Jerusalem. And they didn't know what to do. And he told them plainly, I'm going to die on the cross. Three days later, I'm going to be raised from the dead. And one day, I'm going to come back again the second time. They did not understand it. But here's the way Jesus told them. When he talked to them about it, there were tears. It hurt them very deeply. Can you imagine a scene in the life of somebody you love very much and they begin to talk to you about their dying? Three years ago, Brother Johnny couldn't attend the Bible school here because his mother was deathly sick. In the first part of August, she was taken in death. That hurt a whole lot. Nearly everybody here has had somebody in your family die. It hurts a lot. And so they began to weep. But Jesus said to them, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now with those few simple words, Jesus taught us so many things. Number one, he taught us there was going to be trouble. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Man was born for trouble as the sparks shoot upward. Every adult in this room knows what it means to have trouble. This is the first revival meeting we've had without Mrs. Klein being here. She learned about a year and a half ago that she had cancer. There was trouble. At first, she didn't know whether she'd leave the hospital or not. And we talked about it several times while she was in the hospital. But God gave her overcoming grace. She recovered from that surgery. And for six months, she went like a house on fire. She came to church out here. She was at Glendale Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. 
She was involved in everything until Christmas. And then it began to take its toll. But the trouble that came, she was aware of. Those who loved her most were aware of that trouble. Every one of us is going to have trouble. You're going to have financial trouble. You're going to have some home trouble. Some of you in this very room have lost a mother. She died maybe several years ago. Maybe some of you have lost a little brother, a little sister, or a big brother, a big sister, or grandma and grandpa, somebody's gone. Or maybe you've had some problems and maybe had divorce in your home. Your mother and daddy, you thought, loved each other, and then suddenly they just split up. Or maybe one of them has been unfaithful. There's trouble in the home. And you don't know what to do about it. Jesus said there's going to be trouble. But he said, don't let the trouble get in your heart. All the water in the world can't sink a ship unless it gets inside. And all the trouble that comes to you will not sink you. It will not destroy you unless you let it get inside of you. And Jesus said, in your heart is where I will dwell if you will let me come in. I'll dwell in your heart. Don't let trouble get in there because I'm in there. In other words, don't let that trouble overwhelm you. Don't let it so overwhelm you that you don't know what to do. And you pace the floor and pull your hair and wring your hands. And you don't, you just quit out on everything. Jesus said, trouble is coming, but let not your heart be troubled. Then he said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. Now that's a beautiful thought. Jesus had been with the disciples three years. You imagine being with Jesus for three years. They heard him teach. They heard him preach. They watched him when he lay down to sleep. They were there when he awoke. He ate with them. They were out in the ship together. One time out in the ship there was a big storm. And they were all scared to death. They thought they were going to die. And they woke him up and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? How canst thou lie asleep when each moment so madly is threatening a grave in the angry deep? And the Lord Jesus just woke up, stood up in the ship, looked out and said, Peace, be still. And all the winds and the waves quieted and there was a great calm. That's the way it is when Jesus is there. When you have trouble, when the burdens come, when the heartaches are there and you don't know what to do, you just put your faith deeper in Jesus and He'll whisper, Peace, be still. He said, Now I've gone to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. What he was saying is everything's all right in my father's house. Here you may have trouble, but everything's all right over there. Here you may live in a little shack, but I've gone to prepare you a mansion. In my father's house are many mansions. I've gone to prepare a place. And he said, here you may have a fire that will destroy your house. That'll never happen in heaven. Here you may have to tend to some loved one who doesn't have any physical strength and you have to be their strength for them. That'll never happen in heaven. Here your home may be torn up by infidelity. Maybe one member of the family, a father or a mother, decides they don't love each other anymore. They go out and have some relationship with somebody outside the home and it hurts. Jesus said that'll never happen in heaven. I've gone to prepare a place for you. Amen. Wonderful place over in heaven where no evil thing cometh to despoil what is fair and where Jesus is waiting to welcome us there. You know what heaven is like? 
Jesus said, in heaven, the street is pure gold. Now, I don't know whether that means that there's one long street goes through heaven. It doesn't say the streets are gold. It just says the street is pure gold. I don't know what that means. There's one long street that stretches 1,500 miles either way. Maybe it's like a over, maybe it just curves around and around and ministers to all the, all the avenues of heaven. But anyway, he said it's beautiful. The walls are like jasper. The gates are never closed. They never close. They're open all the time. And over in heaven, nobody ever gets sick. There may be some funeral directors there, but they won't be practicing because there are no funerals there. There may be some doctors who got saved and they'll be in heaven, but they won't be practicing medicine because nobody ever gets sick there. Over in heaven, there are no cemeteries because nobody ever dies. In heaven, listen... I can't talk while you're talking. Honey, honey, are you eating? Oh, just stop it right now and just listen. I'm sorry, I'm mean, I'm so mean, but I expect kids to listen when I talk, all right? Listen to me, I love you, you know that, but listen. None of that stuff. You, you Can you imagine what that looks like? Look here, it's whatever. Don't look foolish. Well, I don't want you to look foolish. I love you too much. Don't do that. All right. Now, over in heaven, there's none of that foolishness that goes on. People are serious about things of God. Over in heaven, Jesus is the light of that city. He is the brilliant light of the city of God. And heaven is so precious and beautiful. Friends will be there I have loved long ago. Joy like a river all round me will flow. Yet just a smile from the Savior I know will through the ages be glory for me. Our loved ones will be there. Somebody said, do you, know, do you think you'll know each other in heaven? I'm sure we'll know each other in heaven. You think we're going to know less there than we know here? We know each other here. And the scripture says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We're going to be like Him. Do you think Jesus isn't going to know you when you get there? Well, I think the Lord will know James Arthur. He'll know Miss Bernie. He'll know Miss Bobby. He'll know Brother Johnny. He'll know Miss Deacons. He'll know Miss Klein. And immediately, when they enter that city, God gives them perfect understanding, perfect knowledge, and they know. I don't believe anybody will have to introduce us to Isaiah or to Jeremiah or to Moses. I think we'll know. Do you remember when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration? He took Peter, James, and John with him. And he was transfigured before them. Does anybody remember who appeared to them on that Mount of Transfiguration? Anybody remember that? There were two men from the Old Testament that appeared. Who were they? Anybody remember? Alright. One of them was Moses. The other one is, was Elijah. And do you know that immediately Peter, James, and John knew who they were? Why well, said, that's Moses. That's Elijah. Hey, Peter, how'd you know that? How'd you know who they were? You see, for a moment, God gave Peter, James, and John ethereal understanding. And immediately they recognized them. You and I will do that when we get home to heaven. We'll know each other, and we'll know each other better over there. And all the misunderstandings we've had here will fade away. Somebody said, well, what about if you didn't like somebody here? 
Well, it's going to be tough because you're going to have to live with them in heaven forever. <laughs> the Methodists are going to love the Baptists. The Baptists are going to love the Church of Christ. The Church of Christ are going to love uh, the Nazarenes when we get home. And, uh, you know, they tell those little stories about going through the gates of heaven. And they see some little group over there. And if somebody says, shh, be quiet. They think they're the only ones here. <laughs> well, they're not the only ones there. Over there in heaven will be everyone who has ever trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. To me, there's what we call ourselves here. Now here, I'm a Baptist by conviction. I believe that what Baptists teach and, and preach is closer to the New Testament than any other group. That's the reason I'm a Baptist. My dad was a Methodist. And uh, I love Methodists. My grandmother was a godly Methodist. And when I was growing up, I observed her as a great Christian. And uh, at her funeral, I, I first became aware of how much I needed God because they talked about how she was gone to heaven. And I knew I wouldn't go to heaven if I died. And it wasn't long after that till I asked Christ to come in tomorrow. A godly Methodist lady. I'll know her in heaven. And over there in heaven, all those little things that divide us now will be dropped. And we will know perfectly. I think the folks that used to teach you, you'd be baptized by sprinkling. They say, Jesus, I'm sorry I ever taught that because I know the Bible taught immersion. And I'm glad the Baptists practiced that. And I think that some of the Baptists who have been sort of formal in their uh, worship and have been so straight-laced they wouldn't even move around, I think they'll come and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I'd like to have more of the holiness fervor and uh, be able to shout and sing a little bit. And we ought to do that. But over in heaven, heaven is a wonderful place. And Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And he's been 2,000 years preparing that place for us. Then he said, if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Jesus is coming to the earth again. He came the first time as a sinner, as a savior of sinners. He's coming the second time as the king of kings. Jesus is going to come and it may be he'll come today while we're here. Listen, what would you think if all of a sudden you'd hear in the distance a trumpet? Everybody look, perk up their ears. I wonder what that is. And all of a sudden somebody say, why it's Jesus. Here he comes. Listen, that roof wouldn't, wouldn't hold us. Every one of us would be caught up who know the Lord and will be with the Lord forever. The trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And all those who faith, with faith in Christ will be caught up together to be with the Lord in God's heaven. <clears throat> but those who have rejected Jesus, who have said no to God, I don't want you as my Savior. I'm not going to trust you today. I'm not going to take that stand for God today. Those will be left here behind to go through what is called the Great Tribulation. And the Antichrist will rule. And things will get so tough and so hard. And you can't buy or sell unless you have the mark of the beast in your hand. And the earth will come, become a terrible turmoil. There will be judgment on the earth. Perhaps hydrogen or atomic warfare. We don't know what it will be like. It be terrible, the Bible says. But those who have trusted Jesus will be safe in the arms of Jesus. Now, Jesus said all this. And one of the disciples said, Now, Lord, we don't know for sure where you're going and how can we know the way? How do we know how to get there? You and I are like that. Sometimes we wonder, how do you get to heaven? Jesus said, I'm glad you asked. He said, there's not a Catholic way. There's not a Baptist way. 
There's not a Church of Christ way. There's not a Methodist way. There's only one way. And that's the way of the cross. That's Jesus' way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way home. There's only one way to heaven. And that way is the way of the cross. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. If I ever get sight of the gates of light, it'll be because of the way of the cross. Now what does it mean to come the way of the cross? It means this. Honey, leave her alone. She'll be alright. Alright, just hold her, whatever you need to do. Alright. Jesus said, listen, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What does that mean? It means when you trust Jesus, you put your trust in Jesus, He'll take care of you. You may not understand, but He'll take care of you. Now here's what I'm talking about. Let me see. Uh, let me let me see who's who's the who's the. I want to ask you if you'll trust me. Just a minute. come up here a minute, will you? John Michael. Tom Michael. Come up here. John Michael. Hold my hand here, will you? All right. Now look. Suppose John Michael. Is that your name, John Michael? Suppose he and I are going to go to New York City. New York City. You ever been to New York City? Well, New York City is a very busy, busy place. It's a very wicked place. A very sinful place. And so we're going. We're going to be in New York City. We're going down Times Square, down Broadway. And Broadway is just bumper to bumper traffic, and there are millions of people around all the time. So I say, John Michael, hold on to me. What did John Michael do? He holds on to me. But look here. What do I do? Now who's holding you? Am I holding you, or are you holding me? You're holding me. That's what you try to get away. See there? Listen, that's what Jesus is. Thank you, John Michael. <laughs> he, he holds on to you. When you trust Him as your Savior, He does the whole. Now you think, I'm holding on to Him. And we need to think like that. We sing a song, hold on to Jesus. But what really happens, when you give your heart to Christ, He comes into your heart, and by his own spiritual magnetism, he begins to hold on to you. And he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Neither shall any man pluck you out of my hand. You are mine, and I'm yours forever and forever. Now, don't you want him to be yours? Don't you want him to be his? Don't you want Jesus to live in your life? And know for sure when you die, you're going to be with him in heaven? The only way to do that is the way of the cross. Jesus went to the cross. He died for our sins on the cross, shed his blood for us. Three days later, was raised from the grave, and he's alive today, and he will come and live in every heart if you'll invite him in. But he's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. Listen to this. Suppose I come back here and go and see Jim. I come back here, and I knock on Jimmy's door. Over there and say, come in. Jesus, gentlemen. Yeah. You go to somebody's house and they oh, come in. The warning goes through. You know what he what does? He waits for something. What? What does he wait for? You come to do what?
Now, boys and girls and men and women, that's what you have to do to be saved. You have to open the door. Jesus knocks. He wants to come in. He wants to live in your heart. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to take you by the hand and take you on to heaven. He wants to be loves you. But you have to open the door. He will never knock you down and drag you out and lasso you and make you. He will go, ah, you want to do what he wants you or not? He will never do that. He will never do that. In a thousand worlds, he will never do that. He just knocks. He just knocks. And you have to open the door. Now, listen. Some of you have already opened the door of your heart to Jesus. God bless you. Some of you have not. Some of you have opened your door to Jesus and said, come in. And then the Lord says, all right, the first thing I'm going to lead you into is the baptismal waters. I'm going to lead you into the baptismal waters. You say, wait a minute. I didn't bargain for that. I'm going back. Ooh. Are you going to go back on Jesus? You say, I'm scared of the water. Listen, can you trust Jesus to take you to heaven and you can't even trust him to get you through some water? You see, when you trust Jesus, you put your life in His hand. You say, Lord, if I die trusting you, I'll be alright. If I drown trusting you, it'll be alright. If I get sick trusting you, it'll be alright. Because I know you'll take care of me. That's what it means to trust me. One of the best illustrations of this is what happens when a man and woman get married. They don't know what's ahead. But if that man is what he ought to be, he promises at the marriage altar to take care of that woman. He says, I'll be with you, I'll take care of you, until God by death shall separate you. And then that woman is willing to trust herself in his hand. And her family is willing for her to leave home and go and dwell with this man because they know that he's going to take care of her. Now that's the way it is when you trust Jesus. Have you trusted him? If you have, have you allowed him to lead you into the baptismal waters? Have you allowed him to lead you through the troubled times and to be with you all the way? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. How many in this room can say, Preacher, I have already trusted in Jesus. He's my Savior and I love him very much. I have already given him my heart. And I'm thankful I'm saved. Would you lift your hand if you know that's true? Thank you. Hands down. How many of you would have to say, I do love the Lord, but I've never really invited Him to come into my heart. I know I need to. I want to be saved. Pray for me. I'm not sure whether I've really trusted Him or not. Would you lift your hand if you're not sure? You're not really sure. Is there anybody here? Now how many of you, alright, God bless you. How many of you would say, I have trusted Jesus, but I have not yet been baptized, and I need to do that? Would you lift your hands? Alright. God sees you. God bless you. Put your hands down. Now I want to ask you right where you sit, if you'll just pray this prayer. Dear Lord, I've trusted you as my Savior. That means I'm not going to be afraid to be baptized. I'm going to follow you into the baptismal waters because you told me to do it.
And then I'm going to trust you the rest of the way. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I look this way a moment. Would you stand, please? Just as I am without one plea. What page is that? 249. Brother Johnny Deacons will be standing here at the front. Listen to God's invitation a moment. You, you've been so kind and good. I'm so proud of you. God bless you. Now, I want to ask you, if you're willing today to say, I'm trusting Jesus, and I want to follow Him in baptism, and serve Him, and live for Him, I want to ask you to just come and take Brother Johnny's hand and stand here with him for a little while. Would you do it while we begin to sing?